This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we will continue on the teaching that was started already around the marriage counseling, and my responsibility is around financial responsibility in marriage. That's my topic, financial responsibility in marriage. And again, we said these things last time as kind of an opening a statement, um, there, and when it comes to marriage, there's a lot of discussions that happen, a lot of disagreements that happen, a lot of insights that go on in marriage. And I'm going to tell you, most of your dis- discussions or most of your disagreements in marriage, it's going to be around finances. You know, where are you going to spend the money? How are you going to spend money? Right? How much? What to buy? When to buy? I'm going to tell you, a lot of conversation is around finance. And so we want to look at the responsibility we have in marriage when it comes to finances. And the objective here is really to uh, discuss biblical principles around financial responsibility in marriage. So we look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, starting in verse number 32. It says, But I would have you without carefulness. He that is unmarried, care for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he that is married care for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. So we see there in verse 32 and 33, it is contrasting a unmarried male with a married male. Again, verse 32 says, and I would have you without carefulness, he, that he is the, is the one that is not married, they care for the things that belong to the Lord, how you may please the Lord. But verse 33, but he that is married, he that is married is called the husband. Your care is for the things of the world, how you may please your wife. Understand it, husbands. That, that is your care. And I like it. It says careth. That means it's a continual care you should have throughout your whole marriage. I got, I got to care about how I'm going to please my wife as a husband. And then he gets into the wife. In verse 34, he says, there's a difference also between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman... Care for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit. But she that is married, she care for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. So again, wives, that's your care. Your care is how to please your husband. You know, you're a married woman now. You have a husband. That means that's a continual care that you need to have is how you may please your husband. That, that is so important to understand that. And I love how God set it up. You, you know, he, he sets it up where it's harmony in the marriage, right? Where it's, it's not about you pleasing yourself as a, as a wife. It's not about the husband pleasing himself as a husband. It's about each other pleasing each other. That's the harmony. I love how God does it. Because everybody wants to talk about, what about me? God's like, don't worry about you. You just make sure you do your part. So that means husbands. My care as a husband needs to be towards my wife. Not towards me. And, and why is these things important? Because, again, we're talking about financial responsibility in a marriage. There's many decisions that we make, not based on our wife, as a husband. There's many decisions I make as a husband. It's not based on a care for my wife. It's based on me. And that's not, what, that's not how I should make a decision when it comes to my home financially. 
I gotta have I have to care for her. It's not about me. It's about her. And for her, her same thing, decisions that she's making, it's about the care for her husband. That's the harmony. That's the unity in marriage. That's what makes it so beautiful. It's a good thing to be married. Marriage is a good thing. It really is. Marriage is a good thing when you have that harmony. Each other caring for one another. Alright, so then we talked about last week uh, how does a wife please her husband. And we looked at this in Proverbs 31. We won't go over this morning. But Proverbs 31, it says, By doing him good all the days of his life. And I like it, but doing by doing him good and not evil. We looked at the virtuous woman, right? And how with the, with the uh, qualifications or characteristics of a virtuous woman, a wife of valor. That's how a wife should please her husband: is to do him good and not evil all the days of his life. And again, I told you before, you know, if you if you want to know if you're pleasing your husband, wives, ask them: Am I doing you good and not evil? Right. Because, you know, you, in your mind you say, well, I do them pretty good. It ain't pretty good. You got to do them good. Right? Pretty good ain't, ain't good enough. You got to do them good. And not evil. All the days of your life. And see, some of y'all, you may not realize that's what you signed up for when you said, I do. But that's what's in the cup. That's what's in the cup of marriage. You signed up for that. To do that man good all the days of his life and not evil. I love that. Right, and that means, and we talked about that, and how a wife, uh, <clears throat> how does a wife not please her husband is by pulling down her own house with her own hands. You can tear down your house, wives, with your own hands. And we looked at that in Proverbs 14. You can tear it down. See, that's why you better come and get these knowledge. You better come and get this counsel because I'm gonna tell you, a lot of these things we didn't know when we got married. All we know is, hey, he look good, she look good, he fine, she fine. Uh, maybe or maybe not they're a Christian or believer, but, you know, hey, I, I need to get to the altar because all I got is I want to have sex and legalize it. And then next you know, like, once you get married, like, well, it, marriage is much, much more than sex. And now we're in this for a lifetime. So now it's time to get knowledge. That's what we, that's what we had the premarital class before this class, and we try to... Tell these, these unmarried people what they're signing up for, preparing for it. But now you married people, you're in it. These are the expectations and the guidelines of you and your marriage. A wife, you are there to please your husband. Husband, you are there to please your wife. All right, so then we went to First Peter chapter 3, and let's go there. This is what we'll pick up this morning. First Peter 3. Starting in verse number 1. Let me get there. 1 Peter 3 and 1. Because this is the harmony that's in marriage. Right again. You're caring for uh, each other. How you may please your spouse and not yourselves. And 1 Peter 3 gives a good illustration. Good guidelines around this harmony. Alright, so 1 Peter 3 chapter, 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1 says, Likewise, ye wives, be of subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversations, conversation of the wives. And we talked about this last week about this conversation of the wife is the wife's behavior. You know, in other words, how you conduct yourself in your home, wives, is going to influence your husband. Can you imagine that? Even if he's not in the word. 
Here's the thing, wife. Understand that if your husband is not in the Word, it is not your place to get him in the Word. But let your conversation, let your conduct encourage him to get where he needs to be. I'm going to tell you, one thing about marriage, marriage is not so much all the things you do say, it's the subtle things that you imply. That's what, I'm telling you, marriage is amazing. The subtle things that you apply. And trust me, the brothers will pick that up. Subtle things you apply. In other words, I, I made a comment last time. You know, if, if, if your husband is, is not doing what he needs to be doing in the home, but you're still cooking and cleaning and, and, and pleasing him still, that's going to that's gonna burn, that's going to deal with it, burn his heart. He's going to be like, what is going on with this woman? Because he's expecting you to act a, a different way and you're not. To so your conversation, it will win him over. I like that he'll be, be won by your, by your conversation. The conduct of the wife. That's called influence. See, I'm telling you, wives, you got influence. You have tremendous influence over, over your, your husband. And that's why you shouldn't manipulate and use influence in a bad way. You have influence over your husband and your conduct. I'm telling you, you know, why, like I said, the wives, if, wives you, know, you know what to do to push your husband's butt. You know, you know your husband. You have influence. He said, verse 2, it says, While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. See, that means your husband is watching your chaste conversation. We talked about the chaste conversation last time. That means a conversation that is clean, respectful speech. Not profanity. Not talking down to your husband. Not treating your husband like he is one of the children. See, your conversation needs to be chaste. The husband is beholding. You know, he's beholding. I mean, he's watching, observing that. You should have a chaste conversation. I'm going to tell you, you should not be cussing out your, your husband. You know, you oh sorry, blankety blank blank. You know, I mean, it, you shouldn't be using the blankety blanks in your house towards your husband. That's not a chaste conversation. That's influence, wives. Understand that. Then verse 3, who is adorning, let it not be that outward adorning, a plaiting of the hair, and a wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart, in which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. So we talked about that meek and quiet spirit. I like this, in the sight of God is a great price. That means God is watching you wives. He's observing you and your behavior in your, in your marriage. Why? Because marriage is God's institution. God's looking at his institution. Are you operating an institution that God has established properly? He's in the sight of God. This is a great, great price. This is a great value. It's your meek and quiet spirit. And we've talked about meek, and again, it's being gentle, mild. Quiet means still, calm. You're not going off on him. I mean, that's so important, wives. Even when the brother mess up, don't, don't go off on him. Right? You so stupid. You so dumb. You, you so crazy. You, you, why did you make that decision? That was, I mean, you're just going off on him. I knew I shouldn't have married you. See, all those things. See, that's not meek. That's not quiet. That's not gentle. That's not mild. And then we talked about, too, a, a meek and a... A woman that has a meek and quiet spirit, she's not talking about her husband to others. She's not. I'm going to tell you that that is 
one of the worst things you can do, women, is talk about your husband to others. Uh, you telling your, your girlfriends about your, your, your husband and what he's not doing, right? And especially you going telling your family members about your husband and what he's not doing. That, that hey, it tells you how you need to, how you need to respond to what, what about, what, how should I respond if he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing? Your chase conversation, right, will win him over. Well, you don't know my husband. I, I don't. You know him. You married him. That was your choice. But now, since he's doing what he, he's, he's doing what he's always been doing, it's not your responsibility to talk about him to others. And like I said, we know this balance. If there's abuse going on in the home, obviously, don't be silly. If, if, if your husband is abusive to you, then yeah, you need to reach out. We're not talking about that case. Right? But we're talking about you just talking about him. Again, like I said before, you know, he's lazy. Well, you know, guess what? He's always been lazy. You should have picked that up while you was dating and courting him, but you, you, all you think about how fine he was with a nice six-pack he got and all that stuff you're looking at, how deep his voice was and how well he was groomed, but he was lazy. So that's what you, hey, that's what you married. But you don't sit there and go talk about your husband or texting, you know, in social media about your husband to others. Alright, so verse, verse 5. For after this manner, in time of, of the holy women <clears throat> also, who trusted in God. Oh, I love these scriptures. It's amazing how women can trust in God. Adorn themselves being a subjection to their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, <clears throat> whose daughters ye are, as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with amazement. Right? So again, this, these are scripture. We talked about these things last time. How this is really addressing the wives and how you need to treat and respond to your husband. Very important, wives. Now let's get now to verse 7. Let's talk about the husbands. And here's where it gets to me, it gets real. Verse 7. It says, Likewise, ye husbands, Dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That one scripture is powerful. I mean, that one scripture speaks volumes. I mean, we can blow past these things and miss so many nuggets that are in here for the husband. So again, let's start here. It said, likewise, ye husbands, dwell. Husbands, you are to dwell with your wife. And this is what dwell means. That means I need to reside together with my wife. You need to be there. You know, dwell together. I, you know, I don't know how, you know, I know we are in this, this, this pandemic and stuff we are in now. We have a virtual world that we're living in right now in a sense of working virtually and people going to school virtually. But your marriage shouldn't be virtual. There's no virtual marriage. You ain't got a remote husband and a remote wife. No, you got to dwell together. Husbands, you have to dwell with your wife. You have to live with her. And you got to treat her with respect. Brandon says, giving honor to the wife. I have to treat my wife with respect. Husbands, treat your wife with respect. Respect her. You know, again, that's why I say it's interesting when you say somebody's your wife. 
that's a that's a term, that's a formal term that you chose when you said I do. Now you say that this woman, she's not only a woman no more, she is now your wife. She's a very special woman to you. And I like that. She is your wife. She's not no other man's wife. She is your wife. That means this woman is very is a, holds a very special place for you. And you disrespecting her. That's not the order of God. See, you've got to dwell with your wife according to knowledge. You've got to dwell with her, honor her, your wife. You've got to treat her with respect. And so again, this goes in all areas when it comes to marriage. But again, I'm, I'm my, my focus is around the financial side of this. So that means when we deal with finance, I have to show respect towards my wife. You know what I mean, husband. I've got to respect her. That means if my wife has a need... Let me say it different. My wife has a need or a want. That is my responsibility to take care of that. Financially. That's showing respect. My wife has a need in the home. My wife has a want in the home. You heard I say that, brother. She has a want. Because, you know, we so quick to say, you don't need that. But, yeah, your wife wants it. Get this. Your wife wants it. If your wife wants something, who should she go to to get it? Well, she better go to God. Well, you know, you married her in front of God. Now you're a husband. God, like, you're responsible for taking care of her. You signed up for that, husbands. Your wife has a need in the house. She has a want in the house. You are responsible to take care of that. Well, I know I signed up for that. Yes, you did. That's respect towards her. That's what we say. You better keep a job. Oh, we say you better keep some income coming in. Because we know, hey, them wives, they have needs. <laughs> they have wants. And they're looking for their husbands to satisfy. Because I'm going to tell you like this. I, I, I tell you, if another man satisfies your wife with their wants, you'd be mad then. I know my wife better ask another man for, for something she wants. And she said, I got that from so-and-so. You got what from so-and-so? I thought I was your husband. And so-and-so, and they come through me to get that. I'm like, oh, please. We ain't playing them games. That's your responsibility, husbands. I'm telling you, this passage is so rich. You've got to dwell with her. That's the dwelling part of your, your marriage. Live with your wife. Live with her. Commune with your wife. I would say, you know, you love, I mean, you live with somebody, you're going to learn to love her. Because, hey, guess what? That's your wife. You're going to be with her all the days of your life. And remember, she's going to do you good and not evil. Well, she ain't there yet, but she'll get there. Right? But while she's working through the process, you still got to dwell with your wife. Reside. Take residence with her. Treat her with respect and honor. So it says, dwell with them according to knowledge. Again, honor unto, her, uh, honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. So I got to dwell with her according to knowledge. So it's not like I just, it's not only that I need to reside with her, I need to stay with her, I need to live with her, I need to treat with her, but I got to dwell with her according to knowledge. Knowledge means wisdom. That means that's wisdom that is applied. That means husbands. That means you must receive knowledge in order to dwell with your wife with knowledge. Knowledge of what? Of how to handle a wife. How to reside with her. How to take care of her needs and her wants. Husbands, you've got to get that knowledge. You have, to, you have to acquire that knowledge to dwell with your wife. 
So I got to dwell with her according to knowledge. So here's the thing when it comes to knowledge. When I apply knowledge in my home, when it comes to marriage, how I'm treating my wife according to knowledge, I'm operating in this principle of sowing and reaping in my home. See, here it is, brothers. You know, we've been learning these things and teaching these things. You got to operate out of sowing and reaping in your home. That principle. That principle should govern your marriage. That means, husbands, you have to sow into your wife. That's the knowledge. So, what, so I have to sow into my wife. What am I sowing into my wife? The seed. What is the seed? You know, the, the Word of God said was the seed is the seed is the Word of God. The Bible says the seed is the word of God. That means I have to sow the word of God into my wife. But here it is, brothers. You've got to have the word of God to sow it into your wife. You've got to first receive it for yourself and then be able to apply it with knowledge, according to knowledge, with your wife. I have to sow it into her life. And this is the thing about sowing. Sowing is more than just words. It's also your actions. Because so I'm going to tell you, your wife, like I said, your wife knows you better than even your mama do. Trust me. And she knows when you're playing and when you're for real. So she knows when you're just talking and when she knows when you actually mean it. Because she's watching your behavior, your actions. So that means I am sowing into my wife, not only the words I say, but in my actions. My wife knows I love her. You know how my wife knows I love her? Because I sowed into her. She's seen my actions. That goes along with my verbiage. You know, it's easy to say, oh baby, I love you. Honey, I love you. But does your actions show that you love her? That's not how this principle works in marriage. I have to sow into my wife. And, the, and I have to sow into the seed. And the seed is the word of God. And then I'm going to get the results of sowing into my marriage. I'm going to reap. Look at this, and, and let's just look at this. Look at this in Luke chapter. Which I'm gonna go. Let's go to Mark, Mark 14. God is so good. When you understand these things, brothers, I'm telling you, your, your marriage will be a different marriage. You, you think y'all newlyweds again, because you'll flow out of things and knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Then all of a sudden, your your marriage will flow like it should flow. You have to sow into your your wife. Look at this in Mark chapter 4, verse 14. Mark 4 and 14, it says, The sower soweth the word. The sower. Husbands, you are the sower. You have to sow the word into your wife. And the word is, I mean, the, 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 uh, the, the, excuse me, the seed is the word of God. You have to sow that into your wife. And then, what's the benefits of it? Jump down to verse 20. Mark 4 and 20. Here's the benefits of you sowing the word in your, in, your, in your wife. And in these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, some a hundred. You have to sow the word of God into your wife. And guess what? Your wife is good ground. And because your wife is good ground, she's going to bring forth fruit. Hallelujah. 
Some fruit going to be 30 fold, some 60, some 100 brothers. You're going to get fruit in your home. Remember the principle of sowing and reaping, right? The principle of sowing and reaping is to provide for your home, provide for your life. So if I want provision for my life, I got a provision for my marriage, I got to make sure I'm, I'm operating out of this principle. I'm sowing into my wife to bring forth provision in my home. I'm telling you, in, the, in that provision, you'll see it. And what I mean by provision in your home, I'm not talking about no money. We're not talking about dollars and cents. We're talking about a home that has peace. The home that has love. The home that has respect. Again, if your wife is good ground, she's going to bring forth that fruit in your marriage. She's going to bring forth, she is being that life giver. She's going to bring forth life into your home. Oh my goodness, brothers. I'm telling you, it's nothing like having life in your own home. When I mean life, I'm saying home, I'm not talking about the physical building you stay. I'm talking about in your marriage. There'll be life in your marriage. Your, your wife will bring that. But you've got to sow the word. Operate in this principle. And she's going to bring forth that fruit. And then you're going to like, oh my goodness. Because now you're going to start reaping things in your home that, that again, that's going to bring forth pleasure to you. Just by you sowing into her life. And I'll say this again. Your wife is good ground. But you don't know my wife. I, again, I don't know her because you married her. But she's good ground. Once you get in that, again, that's what, you in that marriage, that principle works. So brothers, don't get caught up in what, a, what your wife is or is not. Remember, you married her. So now you have a responsibility to sowing into her. And as you sow into her, let her incubate what you sowed into her and let her bring forth that fruit in your marriage. She's going to bring life in that marriage. Because some of you, you know, some of your marriages, you know, hey, I ain't going to say it's dead, but it's on the brink. And again, what I mean by dead, understand this, you know, it's how you treat one another. It's, where's the, I'm telling you, you can be around certain people, married people, and it's, it's, it's like, how long you, they wonder how long you've been married because you still treat each other with so much love and respect. They didn't know you've been married for such a long time. Whereas other people be like, oh, you got like two old married folks, and you only been married for two years. And you already act like you two, I mean, you know, they're on one side of the house, the other side, they never even talk to each other, no communication at all. Every, every communication is about what they want, right? You know, like the husband said, I'm hungry. The wife said, I need this. Right? Then the children like, I, I need that. I need this and that. You know, everything is, no, it is nothing pleasurable at all. You don't hear any of those comments about, I love you. No, no form of affection. See, that's what, I mean. it's, that's what I mean by life in your home. You know, some married people, are, this is pleasant to be around. I'm talking about as they're married. I ain't talking about individually. <laughs> I'm talking about you be around them as a married couple. You know, they're pleasant to be around. You, you enjoy being around them being married. They laugh. They have fun with one another. And again, again, I'm not saying they're being perfect. They have their disagreements too, but even in disagreement, they're laughing about it. I, I know, and again, I'll just use myself for example. You know, I, this thing me and my wife do is always amazing to me. Like, you know, it's, it's about driving. You know, we go places. <clears throat> She feels the need to tell me which way to go. I mean, that's just, that's just her. You know, and, 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 and so, you know, if I'm driving, we're going to the store, wherever we're going, right? 
You know, soon we get out the driveway and I'm driving. Here we go. If I, if I make the wrong turn, I'm like, why are you going that way? You know, I'm like, and you know my response? I just start laughing. I said, babe, I'm trying to get us there safely. I said, I have a precious cargo in my car. And it's you, my wife. I want to make sure we're safe. Right? And again, so I, I learned, but, but I'm going to tell you, this came to a place. I had to get there. Before, it was like, I say other things before. We ain't going to mention what I said beforehand. Right? But I've learned. Because what happens, and I get different fruit later, and I wonder, why I got that kind of fruit? Well, you remember how you responded to her when she just says about you? Because I'm going to tell you, that stuff is so petty. Guess what? We're going to get there. Well, I got to respond, you know, in a, in a sarcastic way or in a, in a uh, you know, defensive way by her asking, talking about me driving somewhere. I'm like, it's so petty. I'm going to sow the word of God. I'm gonna, hey, I'm going to say things to her that, that Jesus would say. It's all about you, baby. It's all about you. Versus, hey, I'm a grown man. I know you don't tell me what to do. I, hey, I, you know, I taught you how to drive. You know, I, I ain't even go there. <laughs> don't stay. And I went there beforehand when I was young in my marriage. It said silly stuff. Then later on, I, it would come back at me. I'm like, where did that come from? Walking in the house, hey, baby, like, oh, hey, baby, me. I'm like, what? You didn't hey, baby, me in the car when you and I said something about you driving. Oh, see, here we go. Oh, you know, I was just playing with you. You don't play like that. See, all that drum. See, now all of a sudden, all, hey, I'm reaping what I've sown. That's what I'm saying, brothers. Learn this. Bring forth this fruit in your home. Some 30-fold, some 60. And see, I'm trying, I'm trying to maximize. I want, I want maximum fruit. I want 100-fold at all times. I know some of y'all have it with 30. I ain't have it with 30. I, ain't have it with, I want the 100-fold fruit in my marriage. So I'm continually sowing in her life. Because my wife is good ground. Your wife is good ground. So, sow into her. But you got to have knowledge to sow into her. She's good ground. And when I sow into my wife, again, I have to have the right attitudes when I sow into my wife. So again, back to this financial part of this, right? Again, sowing and reaping. Again, the, my 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 <clears throat> topic is around financial responsibilities when it comes to when it comes to marriage. That means she needs to see. I need to have a budget in place for my wife. That, that's showing her that she's an investment. Again, that's part of this sowing and reaping. That means, husbands, when you sit down and have your financial seminar with your with your family, make sure your financial seminar includes your wife. That means it should be in your, and you should have a budget, in your budget of your home, your wife should be included. What I mean by your wife included, there's things that she needs and wants should be in that budget. It should be in there. Well, we can't afford to do that. Well, that means you better sacrifice something else. Like I said, put something else on the altar. But she needs to be in there. Why? Because she's good ground. I'm a sowing to her. She needs to see that. And I'm going to tell you this, brother. Start off, start off slow. I mean, slow. Start off small. Right? You know, start off small. And you know what your budget is. You know what your finances is. You know what you can and cannot do. But you've got to start off small. Again, I use myself for example. I mean, I remember the time we was put in budget. There was a store my wife used to love to go to. And I mean, that was her store. 
So I remember every time we weighed out a budget, I, I allocated funds for her to go to her store. And she enjoyed that. And then I enjoyed the fruit that came from her going to that store. It was in the budget. When to go find the money, it was there. You got to show your wife that she is a precious vessel. That she has value. That she is my investment. I'm sowing in her. Take these things seriously. But like I said, this is your this is your financial responsibility. You got to sow into your wife. Are you making all them dollars? Put some of them dollars down towards your wife. And, and here's the thing is, you know, and I, I know there's a lot of homes that, that the husband and the wife work. But guess what? We are one together. The two shall become one. It's talking about more than just the sexual part of the relationship. You literally are one. That means everything in my home should flow together as one. So that means I don't have separate bank accounts than my wife has. That means if you're making X amount of dollars for your job and I'm making Y amount of dollars in our job, guess what? That's X and Y comes together and that's for the whole home. That ain't your money's over here and my money's over there. No, we married. You know, that's called a roommate. We got separate uh, accounts. And I got separate responsibilities in the home. No, I, I don't, I don't <laughs> go home and say to my wife, okay, you cover the cable bill and I cover the phone bill. No. The money goes into one pot and we cover the bills together. That's marriage. Because what happens is, I'm telling you, hey, your, your wife had a little stash back there that you don't even know about. And brothers, you over there struggling. And tell you, you won't be reaping this fruit. So we have one account. And, and each one of the accounts my wife has access to each one of the accounts I have access to. I don't have an account that my wife can't get access to it. You get that, brothers, right? You get that, wives, husbands, women. There's not a separate account that he don't have access to. Well, you don't know how you spend money. You don't know how she spends money. Well, you better keep listening and dwell with her according to knowledge. You better sow the word of God in her. But I'm not going to bring discord in my home having a separate account that she don't have access to. You're going to be reaping the fruit of that. She's going to treat you like a partner in that marriage versus your wife. You know, a partner, there's no covenant in partnership. But it's covenant in marriage. See, these again, these are the small foxes that, that spoil the vine. You should have your, every, all the funds that come into your account should go into a common account that everybody has access to, everybody, your, your, your wife and your husband, and you all can be able to feed off that, that account. So that's what I mean. When I make the budget out, we make it out together. And here's the thing. If my wife makes more money than I make, so be it. What do I got to do with anything? Why is your ego bruised? If your wife balling like that and, and you're not balling like that, guess what? It's all for the one house. Again, this is the thing about that, right? That's your financial uh, arrangement. That's not mine, but that's yours. And that's working for you. But even though your wife may be make more money than you make, that don't give her the right for the direction of the home. 
Because, you know, the wife will play that card to you, but go back to 1 Peter 3. Your chase conversation. The chase conversation is not telling your, your husband, I make more money than you. I, I'm the one making direction for this house. Because I make more money than you make. You can't tell me I can't go buy this and can't buy that. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm carrying the load of this home. You're way out of order. The direction of the home is given to the husband. And the wife is there to help him in that direction. And that falls in line with every aspect of the home, including the finances. That's what I'm saying. Many homes are divided when it comes to the money. That's where the arguments come. The disagreements come is how we're going to handle this money. So so unto your wife. Again, have that budget. Reap that harvest. And, and here's the thing, too, brothers, and I'll say this, too. You know, it's, it's amazing because, like I said, there's attitudes that goes along with you when it comes to money, when it comes to sowing at your wife and that aspect. In other words, having a budget allocated for her to spend. If I, if I give my wife, say I give my wife $1,000. Well, I'm saying give my wife, you know, she's allocated $1,000 to spend. That's in the budget. $1,000 she's allocated to spend. Guess what? Once I say that, she can do whatever she wants to do with that. I can't say, okay, we allocate $1,000 for you to spend, but I'm going to tell you how to spend it. Well, then that defeated the purpose. So that means if she takes that $1,000 and she buys a $500 purse, I'm not saying nothing. All right, just swallow, brothers. Just breathe. Just relax. Matter of fact, I'm not even, I'm not even asking her no questions. In your mind, she just blew $500. But think about all the money you don't blow. See, this goes back to I'm pleasing her, she's pleasing me. If I allocate that money for that purpose, we allocate that money for the budget, then how she spends it is up to her. It's on her. Let her have freedom. And then you know, I'm telling you, she will, your wife, she's going to bring forth fruit. Again, talking about doing you good and not even all days of your life, learn that. So I don't say nothing. I, I, I've learned these things. Hey, whatever we've allocated for you to go do your thing, do your thing, baby. Because again, brothers, you don't want to tell you about the thing that you're doing, the money that you're spending. Your wife say something to you about your. I'm telling brothers can spend money too. I mean, people act like brothers ain't spend. Brothers can spend some money. You know, I just use for example, you know, golfing, right? You going golfing all the time. That hey, just for example, that's spending some money. You dropping a, f- a few hundred dollars every time you out there. All them balls you losing. You spending some money. So I mean, it's you know, we everybody got their thing. But but I'm saying, but if it's allocated in the budget. How you spend is how you spend it. See, again, I'm showing my wife that she is valuable. I'm dwelling with her according to knowledge. I'm sowing into her life the Word of God. Go back to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3 again. I love that passage of Scripture. I'm telling you, it's so much, it is so much in here. 1 Peter 3. <clears throat> Let me get back here. Verse 7 again, it says, Likewise, 
ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. It says again, we talked about according to knowledge, we talked about dwell, we talked about honor. And it says, as unto a weaker vessel. Now, brothers, don't get caught up in this word weaker. Your wife is not weaker than you. She's on the same equal quality as you are. What it means by weaker is she is precious. She's a precious vessel. And I like this. She is precious to you. Get this. Husbands, get this about your wife. Your wife is the most precious vessel that you have. Not your precious vehicle. Not your boy toys you got in the garage. Not your little man cave down there. Your wife is the most precious vessel to you. Treat her as such. She's a, your wife is a precious instrument contributing to the usefulness of her husband. Again, your wife is a precious instrument contributing to the usefulness of her husband, of you. That's how you should treat your wife. She is so precious to me that she is contributing to me being effective. That's how precious she is. That's how valuable she is. So when it says she's a weaker vessel, she's the precious vessel. She has value. And I'm going to treat my wife with the value that she has. That's your responsibility, husbands. And again, as being heirs together to the grace of life. The grace of life. That means we are heirs together. As we go through this journey of life as husband and wife, the grace of God will be upon our endeavors. When we operate out of this. You know, it says the grace of life. I love that. There should be grace in your life. The, the life, again, as heirs together, as being a husband... In wife, there should be the grace of life that goes on in your marriage. Because I'm going to tell you, life happens. And you're going to need God's grace to endure and get through it. As a married couple, as a husband and wife, you're going to need the grace of God to get through the, the, the trials and tribulations of life. But if you're at odds with one another, you're not treating her like the precious vessel that she is. If, if you're not honoring her and dwelling with her. When, the, when life challenges come, you, the, there won't, the grace of God won't be there to get you through it. You'll be, you'll be at each other. And here's how you would at each other. When things happen in life, we, we start blaming each other for the things that happen. Right? Especially then, think about life. Think about, especially when marriage, think about when you're having children. Right? And then your children do something that, <clears throat> that they shouldn't. They made their own bad decision. You know, it's so easy to blame the wife or blame the husband. No, your children has made a decision. Especially grown children. Grown children are just that. They make, they make grown decisions. They, get, they come up with grown consequences. But that don't change my marriage. I'm not blaming my wife for my grown children's decisions. See, we operate operating out of the grace of life. Because you know what? This is the last thing that my prayers won't be hindered. I, I don't want my prayers hindered. My prayers that we are offering to God again to get us through. Like I said, my prayer, what, what I'm praying to God about? I'm praying to God about the grace of life that we're going with. The things that are going on. I'm going to tell you, in marriage this time, you need to hear from God. In your marriage, you need to hear from God. There are decisions that you make in your marriage that you need God's wisdom. 
And I don't want my prayers hindered when it's time for me to go to God and say, God, I need to hear from you. And God's like, well, how are you treating your wife? Uh, you need to go back and check that. Because right now your prayers are being hindered. So I'm telling you, brothers, if, if your home is not flowing away, it should flow. Check, check how you're operating now this principle of sowing and reaping in your home. Because God is watching. If you're not treating your wife as that precious vessel, and then Malachi talks about that you shouldn't dwell with your wife or deal with your wife treacherously, right? The wife of your youth, the wife of your covenant. God is looking at that. He's a witness of you and your marriage. Your prayers are hindered. It's, I'm saying it's no use you having a powerful prayer life when God says, I ain't hearing you. Because of how you're treating your wife or how your wife is treating your husband. We are heirs together. That's why I guess in the verse 8 it says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. I love this. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. That means in my marriage, when he talks about rendering evil for evil, we're talking about accusations, insults. I'm not having insults on top of insults with me and my wife. I'm not going back and forth with her. But I said a contrawise, it said a blessing. What is a blessing? Show forth praise to your wife. Again, going back to the principle of sowing and reaping. I'm going to sow praise unto my wife. And then I sow praise unto my wife, and guess what I'm going to inherit? A blessing. I'm going to inherit praise back. If you wonder why your wife never praised you, have you praised her? Speak well of your wife. That's what praise is. I'm speaking well of my wife. Again, I'm not lying. I'm speaking well of her. Again, that is your wife. If you can't speak well of your wife, then something is wrong with you. That was your choice. You better find something in your wife that you can speak well of. That's your responsibility. So you can inherit praise back. Again, God is faithful. And it got so much more to go. But again, these are things that we're talking about in a family life class. Again, understand the, the marriage counseling. Hopefully you receive some things this morning. Husband and wife, we're trying to help you. Because marriage is for a lifetime commitment. Remember what, the, remember what the definition of marriage is. The last thing we say is a lifetime commitment. And you don't wait till the end of the lifetime of that commitment to get it right. Let's, let's enjoy it throughout the journey. So we can have a fruitful and productive marriage. Amen? This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.